All right. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to Tech Talk, uh, my first episode, first season of the brand new podcast. Because, uh, Dave, this is what we do during the pandemic. We create podcasts, right? Uh, so uh, very happy to welcome uh, my first guest, my, my first ever Tech Talk, uh, Dave Michaels of Talking Points. Dave, welcome. Why, thank you. It's an honor to be the first guest. Yeah, it's. Uh, I went through the list, and you know, you were right up there with uh, Hillary Clinton, Obama. Um, yeah. You, know, you went. You went through the list, and everybody had declined, and, and nobody else was available. And, and you got to me, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, when when Trump said no, I said okay, I think Dave will say yes. So we decided to go that way. <laughs> so, uh, so Dave, you just came back from uh, from Florida. You're still traveling, uh, obviously. Uh, COVID uh, is not something that you're afraid of. What was that like? What was that trip like? And, and uh, you're covering the Avaya conference, correct? Yeah, you know, this is, uh, I guess, the second conference this month. I was at Amazon earlier in the month. And uh, you go through a lot of procedures. Everyone's wearing face masks. There's a lot of a lot of theater, I might say, a lot of uh, interesting theater, because uh, you end up going to these receptions at both events. You end up going to receptions that everyone's got their masks off because there's food and it's very crowded and people are shouting and very loud so i'm not really sure how safe these environments are but uh i also think there's a uh we've reached a, a maximum frustration with the pandemic and people are just like i'm going drowning so Absolutely. um yeah yeah I, I couldn't agree with you more on that one there, there's definitely a lot of covid fatigue and people want to get out there and, and and do stuff one more time uh so Dave, you know, we, we want to cover a lot of different topics today. So uh, before we jump into it, as people are starting to jump onto the stream, uh, welcome to No Filter. Um, the No Filter platform allows you to uh, live stream your events as a host, which is uh, what we're demonstrating today. And then members in the audience, you, sh you should have a little button, a knock button. What we're going to do is allow people to knock and, and join our stream if you have questions, and you can ask Dave and I. Any question you have, it is no filter network, so we're going to be open to uh, pretty well any topic. Uh, we're trying to keep it PG thirteen here, but uh, I, I'm tweeted. impressed, Joe, that you that you okay. moved your your camera to your fireplace. That's that's really nice and thoughtful, and you even put up a, a stocking with my name on it. I really appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely, you know, I, I do have a son who's called Dave as well, but you know, like it's. Let's go with that, Dave. I, 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 I made a stocking just for you, buddy. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, and, and I was actually going to light the fireplace, but we can have a truly legit, you know, fireside chat. But uh, turns out it's not that cold in California today, so I, it's, it's not quite Or Colorado. Or Colorado. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So we'll chalk one up to, uh, to global warming. So, so, Dave, like, let's start off, you know, the first topic we wanted to cover was um, – the influence of big tech, you know, often often called the fangs, right? Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, um, and how that's affecting the UCAS industry in general. Um, you know, we, we were talking about this earlier. Um, you know, Satya doesn't get up in the morning and worry about UCAS, but yet there's no one that has a bigger impact on the shift from prem-based PBX and voice communication than Microsoft does with Teams, right? So. Uh, do you want to elaborate on that? What are your thoughts on that? You, you know, I don't, I don't think people realize how much this industry is changing because of what you're describing here. The 
the industry is not new. I mean, you can go, you can, you can direct, you can do a dotted line from Avaya back to the turn of the, uh, the turn of the, uh, I guess the 20th century. Uh, you know, hundred-year-old company, basically the beginning of the bill system. NEC is still around. They they were the bill system of Japan. Uh, so right. so these are you know this is not a new young industry. But what's different is that these older company the, uh, the the industry has always been very specialized. Esoteric is a great word. Um, very specialized, and they did one thing and one thing well, which was communications. And you think about companies like you know Nortel out of Canada or Ericsson out of Sweden or Alcatel out of France, or Western Electric out of the U.S., um, very, very specialized companies, and they did their little thing, and, you know, we in the industry understood these companies, understood what they did, understood how to combine them and work with them, uh, but today the industry is being driven by companies like Microsoft, like Amazon, like Facebook, uh, Google. These are not just big general companies, but they're some of the biggest companies in world history. And they're not enterprise comms companies. They are IT companies that have a very broad and diversified portfolio. And in some ways it's great. And in some ways, you know, the industry itself is kind of disappearing. The the niche, the specialization um, is kind of disappearing. And uh, Microsoft's doing an admirable job of killing the industry in that sense. Uh, Like when you look at Operator Connect or things like that, they're taking all those weird specialized skills that people used to have to work with carriers uh, and making them point and click, which is a kind of a good thing. And I I appreciate what they're doing, but it's eliminating that specialty uh, in a way that I don't think people will appreciate. Yeah. But if you look at, you know, Microsoft Teams has what 140 million subscribers. There's roughly anywhere between 250 to 400 million plastic phones out there, depending on who you listen to. Uh, if you're not running Microsoft for your um, productivity tools, you're running Google Suites, right? Uh, so younger startups, no filter. We were a Google Shop, you know, from the ground up. Much more. Uh, you know, much easier for us to implement and, and to scale, uh, lower cost point and all that. Uh, so if you're not on Microsoft, and Google really hasn't had that level of integration yet. I mean, we've, they've, they've played with Google Voice in the past, uh, but has, hasn't really gone in the UCAS space. Uh, you're still talking about half the market though, Dave, right? Like, and then by the way, not everyone yeah. on Microsoft is, is using Microsoft Teams Voice either, right? Yeah, well, and that's a really good point. So, so, but the the the, the issue is the 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 dominance these companies have. But even if you go the next level down, you know, you've got Salesforce now with uh, Slack. You've got Cisco, of course. Uh, those companies are both around a market cap of two hundred and fifty billion. How much did Fuse just sell for? Um, two hundred yeah, fifty like, million, yeah. right? We're talking. We're, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're talking, and so these smaller companies, but you, you, you can go down uh, to Zoom, they're at 54 billion, just huge right. companies. Twilio's at like 46 billion. I mean, these are just, so even if you go down that next level, you're still getting just huge, huge companies, and what's and it's making it much more difficult for a lot of these other companies. Um, you know, I was just at the Via event. They're a very influential company in the contact center space, as you know. Uh, I think they're like market cap is somewhere around 1.5. Six billion, you know. Right. It's it's just, uh, um, and it, it 
it's partly because the market is a little hyper uh, around um, cloud revenue and ARR, and, and that's what they really value. But because, uh, uh, but you know, Dialpad actually just broke through. Uh, we just yeah. saw that with the new valuation of 2.2 billion. That's pretty impressive, actually, for such a young company. But yeah, and, and I, I think there's two. There's a couple of things. If you're a traditional, you know, Mitel actually just did this deal with Ring Central. Uh, so Searchlight had bought them, and, and you know, basically, it, it looks like an acquisition without being an acquisition. You know, for for I, I saw that Mitel actually announced. Uh, big layoffs right after that announcement. Um, you, you saw Fuse, obviously. Uh, I think you mentioned Vonage as well being acquired, right? So we're definitely seeing consolidation. Uh, but, you know, the reason that Dialpad can raise at a $2.2 billion valuation, TalkDesk, right? Like, I think that was the story of 2021. TalkDesk raised at a $10 billion valuation, over 50 times revenue. And it, it, so, like, does, is TalkDesk worth Ada Baez, <laughs> right? Like, if, if, when you look at it that way. Uh, but the flip side of it is it's about growth, Dave. It's, 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 there, there's obviously a, a component of ARR and cloud revenue to it. But the difference between Fuse and Dialpad is Fuse wasn't growing, right? And ultimately, that's what it, it really boils down to. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a sad, it's a, it's a little sad for Fuse because they were one of the early pioneers that really broke through. I think they were the first UCAS company to kind of you know pure play that ended up in the Magic Quadrant, and I, you know they they right. they had, they had uh, um, done some great things early on. Um, but uh, the, the technology and, and the people will do well, and the customers will do well with eight by eight. But uh, but bottom line is the market is indeed consolidating. And yep. it's changing in, this, in a very important way of, with, uh, uh, it's not just consolidating to fewer vendors, but consolidating to much, much bigger vendors. Yep. And um, one of the things that we didn't really talk about, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, from a UCAS and CCAS perspective, but the impact of CPAS is right. tremendous. And, and um I don't think people realize just how much of a wild card CPaaS has turned out to be. I remember, I remember when Vonage acquired Nexmo, and the amount of confusion that generated. Like, what is a UCAS company doing acquiring a CPaaS company? And of course, that's probably why Ericsson acquired Vonage was the CPaaS capability. Yeah. And you know, I just came back from the Avaya conference, and they're talking CPaaS more, probably more than anything else there. I think uh, CPaaS and composability are almost. Uh, interchangeable in in the avaya context uh we've got uh, i was just at the amazon event and they don't call it cpas they call it uh sdk they call it the chime sdk but right. but they're talking up uh cpas pretty heavily as well so cpas has all of a sudden become a very significant wild card in our industry that's really changing things up changing things up so if 2021 then was the year of ccas and you know shout out to, to sheila sheila mcgee smith um, you know, like I remember she was saying, well, hey, we were, I was talking about CCAS before anybody cared about it. Uh, if, if that's indeed the, um, the, the, the trend that we saw this year with top desk raising at a crazy valuation, uh, I recently left Alpad, but I was, uh, I helped them build out their portfolio. We made a couple of acquisitions, a couple of partnerships, which you mentioned as, as well in your, in your announcement. Uh, if that was the overwhelming trend, are you suggesting that 2022 is the year of CPAS then? Like, isn't it over? Doesn't Twilio own the market? Or does this become now something that every UCAS company needs to own 
do they need to all own their underlying CPaaS architecture? You know, that's a really interesting question, Joe, and I'm surprised that you would ask such a profound question. I, I wasn't expecting a profound question from you, Joe, uh, but, uh, you really? know, cer certainly uh, Twilio owns it in a large degree, but they are very, Twilio's really got their identity cleared out. I have to say clear, they're, they were confusing for a while. When they launched Flex, are they a CCAS company? Are they a CPAS? What are they doing? But I think that's all been sorted out. They know that they're a developer first, and that's their sweet spot. And now they're moving more into the marketing sweet spot with the, from a developer perspective. They have their venture, Twilio Ventures, very much geared at companies that are helping developers. They've got their identity really sorted out, and I appreciate that. And, they, and, they, and I think that's important. Now, CPAS is going to be huge. There's no question about it. And and uh, so I was really surprised at, at reInvent uh, how much they were talking about CPAS, and they never even mentioned the word the acronym once, right? They only talk about SDK, yeah. a different acronym. Uh, yeah. But they are definitely building out their communications and voice and video and uh, video, uh, particularly video, uh, uh, APIs so that people can customize their applications. And, of course, they're talking very heavily around Contact Center and others. Uh, you know, but we've seen, you know, what, 5.9 acquire, who did 5.9 acquire? I forget who they acquired. Uh, but they, they basically acquired a CPAS type of play. Um, right. 8x8 did, did one as well. Uh, and, and we're seeing a lot of new CPAS companies that we didn't really think of as CPAS companies. Bandwidth.com is pretty much a CPAS company. Uh, and so, yeah. so it's becoming a very important capability and skill set. The question is, who's able gonna, who's going to be able to really ride the wave? Uh, like Twilio did, uh, but I think there's going to be multiple waves. So, so, so the underlying demand then for you know UCAS, CPAS, and then Contact Center, Next Generation Contact Center, um, with, you know, with different channels, video being one, isn't it predominantly being driven by the way we're working now? So, like we sent a billion people home during COVID, and the joke is like only half of them are coming back. Right. And, and, and so we, when you don't have to go through the grind, why would we go back to that life, you know, three years from now? So, yeah, you know, let, as, as I say, the toothpaste isn't going back into the office. And, and so we've got a new situation here. Uh, and I've got two soapboxes with the uh, work from home stuff. I think I think work from home is fantastic. And uh, as you know, I've been doing it for quite some time. Um, so. It's not particularly new. The concept of work from home, or what we used to call teleworking, uh, is not particularly new. And even the technology is not particularly new. Nothing's really changed in that regard. What changed during the pandemic was widespread adoption and acceptance. And now we know that it works. And so now everyone's kind of scratching their head, what can we really do with this? And a lot of employees are scratching their heads saying, why do you want me to come back? And why do you want me to live uh, in a, in a one-bedroom, in, in a studio apartment at these rates when I could live somewhere else much more comfortably. So there's a lot of really interesting um, uh, conversations happening. And I think work from home is bigger, or let me rephrase it. I, the term that I have a soapbox issue with is hybrid work because no, nobody really knows what hybrid work means. But a lot of people mean hybrid work means uh, that I can work from home and work at the office, which has some merit to it, also has a lot of confusion, and who knows how that's going to play out. But right. but I think the important thing that we're missing with hybrid work is the concept of async. Um, and this is something that Slack really pushes, but it's not new to our industry either, this concept of work at your own time. 
And and now with meetings, because all meetings for the first time are on a platform like a WebEx or Zoom or Teams, they could just as easily be recorded. And now people are wondering, well, why should I attend live if I could watch it later? And it's a great question. And people joke about, you know, maybe there'll be meetings that don't have anybody in them. Uh, and I'm okay with that, honestly. I, in fact, uh, uh, a vendor just wanted to do a briefing. I said, just record it and I'll watch it later. And so they yeah. did a re- briefing and they recorded it and they sent it out to all the analysts and people watched it later. It's okay to have a meeting with nobody in it. Um, and I think that's really important because when you can watch it on your time, you can control the playback speed. You can often watch it faster. You can often go back and catch what you may have missed. Uh, and and I think this is really important. I think we're going to see uh, async work become much more important and it has a whole bunch of subtle changes uh, to it. One of the things that we were talking about, Joe, is the workday. The workday, right. you know, I think for you it was eight to five. For me, it was like nine to five. Uh, for some people, like Zeus, it's ten to ten to two. Uh, but you know, it's 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 the workday is very a very old concept that is going to go away. And instead, the workday is going to actually be kind of longer where you might have East Coast meetings in the morning and then you might have West Coast meetings in the evening because your teams are going to be distributed, but it's not going to be a long day. You're going to have those breaks in the middle where you can um, possibly pick up your kids at school, where you can go to the dentist, where you can run some errands. And I I think that this uh, work-life balance is going to become much more important and much more controllable than it has been in the past. And then... I, I think part of the challenge with that, I remember the very first time I experienced this, this, you know, remote office idea was when I was at Cisco late nineties. We like, you know, we had like an ISDN router at home so that we could still connect and check email. Right. And, and they quickly became known as the work some, work some more from home solution. It wasn't, you're not working from home. You're doing your regular office, you know, eight to five, and then you're going home, you're having dinner, kids go to bed and then you're, you know, you, you, you work for another two, three hours after, after that. Um, and, and then with COVID, we, we, we basically moved to this model where you're just working from home and, uh, and then work becomes something you do as opposed to where you perform that function. Uh, but there's people who are having concerns. There was a big article in the Wall Street Journal that talked about how many people had two jobs, right? Like, can, can I actually work multiple jobs and be very productive without you knowing about it um, and, um, and have this... Uh, this the second life and then employers are concerned like are you really are you ripping me off are you actually are you giving me 40 hours a week am i getting productivity out of you which leads to this whole new series of products that allow you to basically quote unquote some people call it spyware like employers are spying on their employees bossware i like bossware um bossware yeah there you go yeah yeah, no, so so that, that's an interesting topic but 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 before we get into bossware i want to talk a little bit about what you said um when you were at Cisco and doing that with your ISDN setup, you were still expected to work a workday. Uh, and, and and so you everything was still that eight to five workday. And then you did other work. And so you work, work more from home. Uh, I yeah. think about the out of office assistance we used to do on our um, email. And, you know, I'm out of the office, so I can't respond to you. And that's just become so obsolete, right? Because I don't care where you're in the office. That doesn't matter. Just respond to my email when you can. And, and so this asynchronous work is much more important, and it's now becoming more understood that if you're not in a meeting live, that you'll be in it later, and you don't get a free pass thing. Well, I missed the meeting, so I didn't know. So, so I think that's a really important part of the async thing. And then and as far as Bossware goes, yeah, this new work-life balance 
is going to create uh, as a learning curve. And, you know, I was I remember learning that the most important things uh, in business are not taught in business school. Um, and the new most important thing is how to manage your time and how and and so when you work remotely, you have to do things differently. Um, when you're in person, uh, just a nod of the head or a laugh at a joke during a meeting is a certain kind of feedback that that communicates to people your your mindset and, and that your involvement and your participation and things like that. And when you're on a video call and you're on mute or you have your camera off, all that stuff is turned is not happening. And so you have to do do deliberate communication. You have to do things like this. You know, I uh, yeah. You have to you have to do things to actually that maybe don't seem natural at first to communicate that you're engaged and that you're interacting and and you have to uh, you know you have to send people an email like hey I saw your hat or you got your new haircut tell me about your new car you have to deliberately do things where they just kind of happened naturally before so it's going to yeah. be a lot of learning it's also a lot of learning for your boss and your boss is, is even though it was completely flawed uh, was thinking that if they could see you, they know you're working. And that was that doesn't make any sense. Right? And so, uh, it, and so they have to learn how to manage remote staff. One way to do that, unfortunately, is bossware. So we're going to see an incredible amount of new surveillance tools. Some of them are good. Some of them are inherently evil. But you know, we'll, we'll work that out. That's going to be the next. Well, I mean, this isn't a new concept, though, right? Like we had productivity tools in the contact center world. And when I was at NTT, um, I was on the board of the chairman of the, of the merchant group. We had 6,000 agents in Cape Town and, and contact center supervisors had the ability to see, you know, how long is someone on a call? What's your, how long does it take you to resolve a call? How many rings before you pick up? Uh, we can now do sentiment analysis. Like someone is actually, um, you know, we're, we're using AI tools to see, you know, whether or not the agent is being nicer and, and the, the, you know, whether the caller is upset because their flight got delayed or they're, you know, when they're not using Twitter complaining about their flights being delayed and their luggage being lost. Um, I, I just see it as evolving, you know, beyond the contact center. We, we sent, I don't know, a million contact center agents home, right? Um, and, and, but we've had these tools in place in these large BPOs. Um, I personally see those types of tools being adapted across the workforce, right? Where uh, supervisors can manage how many emails did Dave answer? You know, how, how many phone calls did he make? Um, how many did he respond to all those? What did emails? he say in those phone calls? What did he say in those phone calls? Absolutely, the real-time transcription. Now that every meeting platform seems to have that 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 capability. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the tool at, at Dalpad was actually, you know, one of the best that I've ever seen, Talk IQ, real-time transcription that, 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 that actually captured um, action items for you at the end of the call. You have this list of notes yep. and, and that say, okay, here's the things that I captured and here's the summary of the call. And, oh, by the way, if I'm on a call and there's three other people and I got to leave early, I can always go back and just check the transcription and just search for stuff Dave said, right? Because I don't care what Joe said, but I want to know what Dave said because that's important. I got to follow up with him. And, and did I get any action items from that? I just seeing it being a, as a, a, an evolution of that. Uh, but there are some industries, you know, New York is probably the banking industry is the first industry where uh, they, like, I think it was the CEO of Morgan Stanley who basically said, you can't work 
out of Colorado and make New York salaries. You got to come back and you got to be in the office and you, and you, you got to schlep and do your commute to Jersey like the rest of us. If you want to, yeah, people, uh, people are freaking out about, you know, what if I, if I move out of downtown and, and move remotely, like you said, and, and my salary goes down, that that's a bad deal, but it's not a bad deal because people don't realize how much they're spending on commuting uh, on, on, not only their fuel and their vehicle expenses, but 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 it's other things. It's the it's the Starbucks drive-through. It's the it's the stop for the cleaners. It's the uh, it, there, there's been some studies about how much money people are saving by not working. But it's but I'll go a step beyond that. It's it's not only the ROI. It's not only a better quality of life. Which but it's also uh, I believe becoming a climate uh, global imperative to stay at home. And and yeah. this is one that's driving me crazy because there's a real disconnect happening here. Um, part of the IT industry, companies like Amazon just announced a, announced a $2 billion climate uh, climate pledge fund, right? And Microsoft is committing yeah. to being uh, carbon negative, negative, not even neutral, carbon negative by 2030. Uh, Google wants to be net zero by 2030, and they they're making yeah. their thing like they call it environmental insights available to cities to help map map their pollution data. So there's a lot of green stuff going on in the IT industry, but the most biggest thing that the IT industry can do, in fact, I'll even narrow that down, the biggest thing enterprise communications industry can do to reduce the amount of carbon and to, uh, to make the planet a more livable, sustainable place is to reduce business travel, which includes both uh, commuting to work and, and of course, uh, business travel, uh, flying on planes, uh, conferences and stuff like that. And, and so for some reason, and I don't understand why, there's a big disconnect here, the enterprise industry isn't embracing teleworking from a climate perspective. And we saw during the pandemic, uh, carbon dramatically drop. Uh, I, I got a stat here. Yeah. It was a, a 7% drop in 2019, the biggest drop ever uh, when people stayed home. And we saw fish in Venice uh, for the first time. We saw all these wonderful things happen. And now like, oh, we got to get back to work. We got to get back to conferences. We got to get back to uh, uh, creating all this pollution and, gener and all this stuff. It's like, forget about the income uh, benefits. Forget about the work, uh, the work flexibility. Forget about the boss work. Just think about what a big difference it makes to be sus more sustainable at home. And for some reason, that, that conversation isn't happening. We have to fix that. I, 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 I completely agree with you. And, and by the way, I, I know you're dabbling in, in, in cryptocurrency as well and in Bitcoin. Um, you know, if we're going to go there, right? Like if you're truly crypto, conscious. You know, crypto uh, has its ups and downs. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Daily ups and downs. But, um, the, you know, the, the cost of mining a Bitcoin, right? Like, like you're mining Bitcoins through data centers you know, ripping through electricity that's produced in the U.S., unfortunately, still by burning coal. In the meantime, you jump in your freaking Prius and act all condescending because Buddy's driving his F-150, right? Or he's, he's driving a, a big enough truck to fit his family of seven, right? And, and, and condescending them. Like, Bitcoin has a much worse uh, effect on the economy and carbon footprint than... Uh, a, a truck that actually has higher emission standards and higher consumption of fuel, don't you think? I mean, like, 
But what, what are your no, thoughts on that? No, I actually, I, I, I've heard this argument. I, I disagree on this one, Joe. I think, uh, uh, I think that Bitcoin is still too small. It does take a lot of power. There's no question about that because China has backed out of the Bitcoin stuff. Most of the companies that are doing crypto mining are now going toward renewable energies where because it's cheaper. It's just outright cheaper. And I think a lot of the new coins uh, are going to go toward a um, uh, different model that doesn't use anywhere near that amount of power. So I'm, I'm not actually, and people don't talk about how much power, by the way, the dollar takes. I mean, I mean, the, the amount of, of energy that we put into know. printing dollars, distributing dollars, burning dollars, storing dollars, uh, all the vaults and all this, all this nonsense. I mean, it's that, it, or gold. People invest in gold. And if you invest in gold properly, you're supposed to actually get that gold, put it in your own wheelbarrow and store it yourself. And the amount of cost that has associated with it is insane, too. So so that's a kind of a separate conversation. I do believe crypto is really important. And I'm not hung up on that particular aspect of it. But I do believe that all of that is is you know nothing compared to what the enterprise comms industry can do with teleworking yeah. on a global scale and and yeah, I, uh, I agree. that being said like i i think you know you were just in 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 orlando uh i know there's a big contact center show in vegas going on right now um you know there, i still think that there's a need to connect physically with people i don't think we need to do it as much as we used to do it um you know, Enterprise Connect got canceled again this year in Orlando. I was kind of looking forward to, you know, that annual get together, and, and we were we were sitting at that bar, that sports bar, and and meeting with folks, you know, from around the world in our industry. We you know, were a relatively uh, a, a relatively small family. That being said, I will never travel 350,000 miles a year like I used to when I was at Dimension Data and NTT, right? You know, going back and forth between South Africa, London, Tokyo. I mean. You know, been there, done that. Uh, I can just jump on a quick call. I'm far more productive. You know, when when COVID hit and and I was running High Five, I remember talking to our head of engineering and, and co-founder uh, Jeremy uh, Roy, and, and Jeremy's like, "We're never coming back into an office. Like my guys have never been more productive. Like if you're writing code for a living, you don't physically need to go into an office to go in and sit on a beanbag chair." With your headset, which is what our coders said, high five we're doing, you know, typing along, like stay home, you know, like I'll send you the freaking case of Diet Coke, right? Like, you know, it's there's a couple there's a couple of important things there. Uh, in the in the in the past year, the enterprise comms industry nailed the PowerPoint session remote. I mean, we got we got that down. Uh, you know, we couldn't do it better. And in fact, I'm not sure we'll ever go back to PowerPoint sessions. In an office, I was at that AWS event. We all watched the keynotes in our in our hotel rooms, and then we went downstairs uh, to meet in person. It, it, there's, there's no reason to do PowerPoint in, it, together in a room anymore, and so we've nailed that. We've conquered that. Where we haven't nailed, which kind of brings us to maybe no filter a little bit, is other kinds of use cases beyond the PowerPoint meeting. And and I think we're going to see a lot of innovation around video, and and I'm sure that you've got some ideas around this, but it's not just enterprise comms. I mean, I mean, with the online dating community had us completely switched because the online dating committee uh, community was about finding people to go out on a date. And if you couldn't go out on a date, you had to meet people other ways. And so they've had to figure out how to do this. Uh, when you talk about going to events, uh, a large part of the most interesting part of events is indeed the informal conversations that happen between the sessions. And we haven't nailed that yet. 
I think we have a lot of work yeah. to do there. And part of that is actually technology. We need to figure out the technology better. And part of that is we need to change our, our own habits. We need to learn how to interact differently remotely. And that's going to take yeah. a little more time because we don't quite know what that model looks like yet. But I think we're going to keep on seeing some changes there because bottom line is corporations aren't going to write the checks they used to write for travel. Uh, we're going to have to, we're going to have to figure yeah. out you know, the reason, reason employees travel is primarily to meet with customers, to meet with industry peers or uh, training. And uh, all of those things are going to be more and more virtualized. So. And, and a, a lot to that though, if you look at where these conferences typically were held, right? Uh, I, look, I always welcome a reason to go to Vegas. Like, you know, I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's a quick flight for me, right? And, and when I'm there, yeah, you get to meet with people, you get to go to great restaurants and, you know, hit the craps table and roll the dice and maybe, you know, place a few bets. Like you can go watch a football game. I went to see the Miami Dolphins play the, the Vegas Raiders now and, and the Oakland A's are probably gonna be there as well. Uh, the destinations, where we're going to have these conferences, it's about maybe combining a little personal time with, because you, you got to get out of the house. Right? You can't just stay in your house all the time and, and, and live like a hermit. Like, you know, some people are do okay in that environment, but, um, you know, there's the, the need to socialize is critically important. And I, I still think that we're going to travel to conferences. I think what we're going to see less of is you know the, the driving to downtown San Francisco to meet someone in an office, right? Or like we're so much more productive just doing it this way, uh, which leads to this whole idea, the whole the whole concept. So no no filter is built effectively on a video SDK. We're using Dolby IO on the back end. Uh, our development team is in Serbia. Our support team is in South Africa. We're truly a global company. Uh, Eric Burns and I. Uh, Burns is a former Major League Baseball player. You know. Uh, broadcaster, we came up with the idea, and we're able to launch this thing with with you know the the barrier to entry for a startup has never been lower, and, and the true irony is the amount of money available to startups is, has never been higher. Right? We don't need money to buy servers and to buy you know furniture and to buy like all we basically need for our employees is here's a laptop, get an internet connection, and you're productive and you're up and running. Uh, which leads to this whole wave of WebRTC technology, of video technology now being embedded into different applications, correct? So NoFilter is a great example. Create your podcast, but stream it live like we're doing it right now. And by the way, for those of you who are uh, on and who missed the beginning, which would join later on, there's a knock button uh, and that allows you to, uh, to, to you know, knock and, and I have the ability to let you in and you'll, you'll be part of the stream, you'll be part of the podcast, and you can ask Dave and I a question. Um, will it basically enable your audio and your video? This is a, the next level of interaction, effectively. Podcasts are very static one way. You know, I'm going for a walk. I listen to my podcasts and, and I get some information. Uh, but you know, one of the things that we are doing using WebRTC technology is making podcasts interactive and, and, and connecting with people and sharing thoughts. What are your thoughts on WebRTC? Like, is, is you know, are we going to see more of these types of applications and what specific industries do you expect to see that in? Well, you know, I, I took on a personal experiment, uh, uh, I think it was in 2019, right before the pandemic. Uh, I just wanted to see if I could live on a Chromebook and I, and I wasn't willing to commit to it on a desktop, but I wanted to see if I could do it on uh, when I traveled. 
And at the time when I traveled, I was always generating a video. I, should, I guess I need to restart that. Generating a video. I was editing the video. I was writing, you know, posts. Uh, I, I had my website to maintain, all that stuff. And I, and I had to figure out, you know, and, and for example, on the posts, uh, uh, no general requires them to be in Microsoft Word format. So it was a, it was a gamble. Could I, could I pull this off? Uh, there were there were a few bumps, uh, but absolutely I could pull it off. I just I got a new Chromebook. I, I, I love these things. Um, and, uh, and so I think we've come a long way with uh, what, what you can do in a browser. And you look at these, uh, you know, these in the enterprise comm space, you know, Fuse just got acquired, but Fuse, Vonage just got acquired, uh, Ring Central, 8x8, you know, these are all completely web-based uh, solutions. That's all the uh, Dialpad, uh, completely web-based solution. Uh, I think Dialpad actually has a client, but they also have a completely web-based yeah. solution. Um, and, and so uh, it's amazing what we can do. Uh, the, uh, the Chromebook supports Android apps, so you can get by with a few companies that don't have it. But uh, with Microsoft Teams, uh, they support, uh, they have a web browser interface. It doesn't have feature parity with the client, but I'm able to join meetings. Uh, Cisco, they don't advertise it. They actually have a WebEx, uh, WebEx client uh, web page, but they want you to use their client. But actually, the web page is, in my, my opinion, better. Uh, Zoom is rebuilding their app into a PWA app, a progressive web yeah. app. Uh, and so I, I, it's unbelievable to me how much, how far we've come. And, and it's not just a matter of, from a user perspective of, of I could do everything in a browser and not install this stuff, but from a vendor perspective, they don't have, they get rid of the feature parity issues that I just described. Uh, they have one, they don't have to build a client. They don't have to distribute a client. They don't have to ask IT to push out updates. They don't have to have part of their base on one version of a, of one version of a client and another version of a client. Uh, they just have one solution. There's a lot of benefits to this uh, stuff. So I think WebRTC has been a huge success. There was no real big ta-da. I remember we kind of joked and laughed when they finally got the WebRTC standard approved, but uh, it's actually been a fairly significant change, and I, it's it's great. And and no filter just pops up out of nowhere. You send me a link. Yeah. It's you know it's unbelievable yeah. what we can do. Yeah, you know, we we used to joke at Enterprise Connect even before I was um, at High Five, back when I was at NTT, and we're saying like you know, we were joking that we we were calling the year that we were in, you know, 2014 is the year of WebRTC. Like we, for seven years in a row, we were saying this is the year of WebRTC. WebRTC has actually been around a long, long time. Um, but we always knew, and, and, you know, even at High Five, we knew that the capabilities of WebRTC were far broader than 264 was. And, you know, Eric at Zoom did what he had to do. He, he went the safer route, which was the right thing to do, and, and captured the, the, you know, that segment of the market. Uh, but the dirty little secret is he's going to have to replatform or at least introduce WebRTC-based applications, which is interesting. I'm not sure whether they're, they're planning on doing that or not. Uh, but every other major video conferencing platform, you know, Microsoft, Google that we talked about, you know, Teams and, and, and Google Me, obviously Google's WebRTC-based. RingCentral's video platform, I was on it a few days ago. That's WebRTC-based, relatively new stack. Uh, and to your point, like we were able to, you know, just – create a, a brand new service using WebRTC. Uh, the cool thing about NoFilter is we send you the link. It works natively in a, an iOS Safari browser. So, you know, Apple kind of sort of supports WebRTC. That's the, <laughs> reluctantly supports WebRTC. Uh, but because of that, because of the native capabilities, we have zero plans 
of building a native app for no filter. We want no filter to be you join on a click and you're in, right? Um, and, and that is the future of all video applications, whether you're talking telemedicine, whether you're embedding video into different types, uh, you know, hybrid uh, meetings. I, I actually think that the, the, the next big thing that we're solving for on the B2B side is uh, we talk about virtual conferences, uh, companies like Hopin uh, have become very popular, uh, but ultimately they start off with WebRTC and then they have to translate to HLS. Right, they bought, I think they bought, is it them that bought StreamYard or? Uh, yep, you know, they bought a lot, they've been busy. Yeah, and, and what we've decided to do from the very beginning is we said, hey, let's keep everything WebRTC. Can we scale WebRTC to thousands of people? So, you know, with no filter today, we can get 5,000 people with sub-second latency on a single VM that runs on GCP. The plan is, we believe we can get it to 500,000 people with sub-second latency at, at, at cloud-like costs and disruptive costs, right? Which is which is part of the, the pitch. Um, so thanks for letting me plug no filter, Dave. I yeah. appreciate that. Well, you um, know, it was a few years ago, uh, we used to talk a lot about the um, post-PC environment and there was and the talk was about yeah. uh, the iPhone and, and smartphones taking over and being mobile first. Uh, we don't talk about that as much anymore because PCs have kind of found their place or desktops have found their place. But I, I think what's really important to talk about is is the post Windows environment. And yeah. and you talk to people about their Mac OS and Windows arguments, and those those conversations aren't as religious as they used to be because they primarily live in the browser. And and right. uh, even Microsoft is they won't say post PC. They won't, they, I don't think they're able to say that, but they will say that what, they had a line, it's a wonderful line, that Teams is to Microsoft what Windows, is to the new Microsoft, what Windows was to the old Microsoft. In other words, Teams is the operating system of MS-365 and it connects right. to all their apps and makes it brings everything together. And if you're an MS-365, you should be using Teams. And 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 uh, I think that's a really important distinction. We're kind of in a post Windows environment. We're also in a, pack, a post Mac OS environment. We get our desktops, we get our laptops, we load up our browser. That's where we spend most of our time. And we might have a few apps that are left here and there. But as I found out on my own Chromebook journey, that they're not. They're, we can. It's not hard to cast those uh, away. Uh, and so and. And cast is a good word for you, I guess. But anyway, so so not, I think we got enough on the clientless apps. I think oh, oh, just one other point on that actually is the contact center. Uh, we're seeing yeah. so much innovation around the contact center space. Google just launched uh, contact center uh, recommended uh, for Chrome, um, and I, I think we're going to see this whole new generation of communications apps that are completely web based. And I, and and these are the contact center is not trivial. It's they're going to use the camera. They're going to use multiple forms of. Uh, of channels or communication channels. Uh, they're gonna have agents at home. And you know, and bottom line is Chromebook plays into all that stuff. So enough on that one. Let, let, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, if you don't mind, one last topic I think I wanna bring up for the, if we have time is a new focus on encryption and security, uh, which sure. has never gotten the attention it should have gotten in enterprise communications, but it got a lot of attention in 2021. Um, and you know, it started off with like Zoom bombing and stuff like that, which it's an unfair yep. term to Zoom uh, because every vendor had kind of the same problem, but, but they've all locked down their, their meeting parameters uh, and, and uh, who can share slides and stuff like that. But now we've got the log4j thing going on. Uh, we're seeing more and more in 
end-to-end -end encryption yeah. solutions. I think it's fantastic that we're now turning up the uh, level of encryption and privacy uh, in, in enterprise comms. Yeah, and I, you know, the Zoom bombing thing was interesting. The, the, the reason it was an issue, quite frankly, was that, you know, Zoom and trying to be a good corporate citizen made Zoom available for free in public schools. 90,000 schools were using Zoom at the time. And, you know, you want to test the, the security of your internet platform, give it to a 12-year-old, right? And they'll figure it out. Um, and, and, and so the, we, we saw kinds of crazy, you know, use cases. Uh, if you want to have some fun, Dave, you should, you know, follow what some of the things that are going on in TikTok these days, right? Like there was a, uh, at my daughter's school, someone started a random uh, confessions of Seacrest, you know, TikTok channel, which is brilliant because it exists where the teachers and the parents don't, don't hang out and there's all kinds of fun stuff yeah. being shared there, right? Uh, but but I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, that I think we over-rotated on this whole point-to-point -point encryption thing. I forgot which vendor I saw that basically says, oh, we do point-to-point -point encryption now. Point-to-point -point encryption is not hard. Right. Doing a Zoom call when there's 12 people on the call and having everyone on that call being end to end encrypted yep. is not possible. <laughs> it's physically not possible. We have not solved for that problem yet. I actually think that we need to come up with different protocols, different security standards. And I actually think it starts at identity. Right. When you first log in, I need to know that you really are who you say you are. And, and the, 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 the root problem in comms, in my mind, is the identity issue. Because if I know who's really coming on and photobombing and, and producing this stuff, I, I can either block you, not let you in at all, or I could track you down after and hold you accountable for what you're doing. Um, the, the traditional sense of I'm gonna encrypt a channel from, from, from one connection to another, other than enabling, you know, uh, organized crime, right, with, um, uh, you know, drug dealers and everything else, when you're, you know, truly encrypting and not allowing people and creating point-to-point -point connections, you're actually creating another problem. I think it starts at identity. Well, certainly, certainly it starts at identity, and we're seeing some improvements around identity, and there's a number of things that we can do to improve identity, and I, I, and I think that's important. I disagree with you, though, about the Indian encryption. Um, I, Zoom, Zoom is now supporting encryption, in encryption with groups. Uh, WebEx has done it for a while. 8x8 has it. And I think um, as we move more and more of our conversations to video, which is indeed happening, I think we have to address this. If you're going to have your, your best engineers and your best thought leaders uh, remotely and you're going to be conducting business through video, then you have to protect your secrets. And, and I think that it's, it's interesting that the consumer has been ahead of us in this regard. But I think that's going to start to change now. And I'm actually pretty excited about that. I think there's a, a lot of opportunity. Um, and the trick is uh, to do it without make, without ruining the experience. And, and uh, we're seeing the beginning of that. But to your point around authentication, it's, uh, that's the hard part, uh, is making sure that yeah. it's, particularly when we all wear Santa hats, it's hard to tell people apart. So anyway, that's another topic. But we, uh, uh, you you added we, we you have, added, you added have, somebody. Who, who's this? We have a knocker. Yes, we have Giles. Giles from uh, London, correct, Giles? Hey, good to see you guys this morning or this afternoon or this evening here. Um, just wanted yeah. to test out the functionality and a knock on the door. Lovely hats, by the way. You Cheers, yours. Giles. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, yeah we're, unprepared, we're Dave. Unprepared. I have to say, I've got a, I'm loving the platform, by the way, Joe, it's, it's great to be able to 
see you clearly and uh, in real time. Um, I've got a Thank couple of questions, actually, if I may. Just first one. Um, if we were having this conversation two years ago, there's one company that neither of you had mentioned. And I've worked with and for Joe over the past few years. And if I'm talking to a CIO, it was only ever, do I go with Cisco or do I go with Microsoft? Cisco has not been mentioned once by either of you. Uh, in the last 45 minutes, as far as I remember. So that's not when, true. We did mention Cisco. We talked about, I, I know we talked about their, uh, uh, maybe I thought we talked about their WebEx client being, uh, I, uh, they, 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 have a, they, have a, they have a web native WebEx client. But, um, uh, but yes. Uh, so, so my question out, is, where do, you see, where do you see them fitting in the marketplace? And is there, in your view, Dave, and obviously Joe will have a bias view on this. A, a place for no filter in what seems like quite a crowded marketplace at the moment. Hmm. Uh, so on Cisco, I think they're actually doing some really interesting things. And um, what what people don't realize is that they've made their hardware. We were talking, Joe and I were talking earlier about WebRTC. Cisco's made their hardware WebRTC friendly. That's how they integrate with Microsoft Teams. And that's how they integrate with um, uh, Google Meet. And so all of a sudden, you know, you talk about a few years ago, Cisco hardware was for Cisco WebEx and that was it. Or uh, that was, it was a closed yeah. proprietary solution. All of a sudden, you know, Cisco has introduced, you know, I don't know, eight new devices in the past year. Maybe I'm not, I'm not sure the number, but a lot of new devices. All of these are WebEx ready to go. They, I, I, I think they have a tremendous opportunity uh, filling in the gaps for other vendors on the hardware side. So that's one point. Uh, the other point is that the pandemic timing uh, was really bad for Cisco. Uh, Cisco was caught uh, unprepared for the pandemic timing and and didn't benefit from the pandemic as much as, they, as some other vendors did. Um, I would say that Cisco is now in gear and they've got uh, their leadership team is engaged and they're doing some really good stuff. I just mentioned all the new hardware they've come out with. They've got a lot of new software features, a lot of new capabilities. And so they're planning on writing the return to work uh, wave and hoping that's going to be as aggressive and disruptive as the work from home wave. And if, if they pull it off, they'll, they'll, they could return back to where, you know, their stature that they had. Um, I think that the first conversation that Joe and I had was how much bigger these firms are getting in our space. Cisco is not a small company. Uh, they have enterprise account control in a lot of accounts. They have an effective sales team. They're global. I, I, I think that they have a lot of potential ahead of them and uh, where they could recover from some of the stuff they lost. So, so one of the... One of the hard issues I have with, with Cisco, and I'm former Cisco, best years in my life. You know, we helped build the internet. Um, great people there. Still have a lot of friends there. Uh, the issue I have is like this hardware focus, right? Like at, at the end of the day, I've got, you know, we, we, talk, we were talking about this, the, the, these new devices, these, you know, a Chromebook's a couple hundred bucks, right? Um, you know, like if I have a decent internet connection, which I, my internet connection at home is way better than anything I've ever had to share in an office environment, by the way, right? If I'm going to go into an office, I'm going to go in there maybe once a week, call it once a week, and, and that's hybrid work, right? Am I going to go into an office and, and go into a conference room and sit to a, next to a bunch of people and put my, my laptop away 
and put my phone away and, and engage with this big wall of video screens. No, I'm, I'm probably going to sit in a phone booth, right? I'm going to sit in a quiet spot by myself. I'm going to uh, do it off of my iPad. By the way, we have a, a new 5G iPad that we got from T-Mobile. That's a game changer. Like the quality of WebRTC on a 5G powered iPad with no filter is the best experience we've seen. And, and that truly works everywhere. You know, where we're getting more and more ubiquitous 5G coverage out there. So I, I disagree with the strategy. You know, you, you know what really what works really, really well with Microsoft and with Google as well, Dave? My $300 Chromebook. I don't need to buy a $1,200 device with a Cisco logo on it so that I can run WebEx. And to your point, WebEx, like Cisco has been very active with WebRTC. They've actually been one of the most active contributors to the WebRTC stack. And the beauty of WebRTC, the whole point of WebRTC is that it works on any device. So it, it kind of like, that's where I see the strategy. Look, I, I get that that's the heritage. Um, you know, you're either going to do the Apple thing where you say, I'm going to integrate the best software and hardware and I'm going to own the whole thing. Or, which is what Cisco was doing before with WebEx, like WebEx works best on a Cisco device. Now they're trying to play both sides of it. And I, I'm not spending 1200 bucks to do a Google Meets meeting on a Cisco device. That, that's my issue with it. And in and, and, and my, my typical day, and I'm sure it's like that for you, Giles, I'm sure it's like that for you, Dave, I don't have one meeting. I'll have Zoom meetings, Google meetings, WebEx. I haven't had a WebEx meeting in a while, actually. Uh, I had a Ring Central meeting a couple of days ago. You know, it's a WebRTC meeting. It's no longer associated with the brand. You know, I do Zoom calls every well, week. Well, you know, you know, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I can tell you, I am doing this call right now on a Cisco device, and the background blur that I'm using is on the Cisco device. I have my dog barking, which you haven't heard because the Cisco device has that built into it. And I use this with 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 no filter. I use it with Ring Central. I use it with Teams meetings, and it works really well for me. And so. Uh, and so I, I I think that there is a pretty good story that they have coming together with their hardware, and and I I also think that they are doing some great stuff in software because I know that when I say that Cisco is a hardware company, I get evil eyes from Cisco. Um, but like you know the stuff they just came out with with the uh, the uh, Microsoft uh, uh, what do you call it the the, the AR glasses I forget what they're called. Yeah, uh, right. But 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 Cisco's doing a hologram. A video. I got to try that out. It's actually pretty cool. You know, if that's all software based, that's using Microsoft hardware. And so uh, I, I think that uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And, and I don't think people realize either how much of a base Cisco has with calling. And uh, yeah. the way Gartner reports their calling is a little different than the way Cisco reports their calling. But uh, Cisco's powering a lot of calls around the world, uh, particularly yeah. with that Broadsoft acquisition. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity there for them to leverage that. And they're starting to leverage that better with their WebEx integration through that. But anyway, any other questions? Giles, anything else? You said you had a couple. Uh, yeah, no, I'd be interested to know where you, um, on, the, on the no filter side, the technology looks fantastic. Um, what are your thoughts on that live streaming world and sub-second latency and what, what the other players are looking at in events and future? Be interested to get your take on that. Yeah, I, I think the, the problem is, like, this is the evolution of WebRTC, effectively, right? If it's truly cloud-native, client is light and adaptable and, and works with anything, uh, how do you make WebRTC scale beyond 150, 200, 300 people, which is the, the typical limitation? Um, and that's a particular problem that we worked on solving. And, and so, like I said, we could do 5,000 today. 
Um, there's no reason why we can't get it to 500,000. We believe 5 million is a physical limit right now. Uh, honestly, our limit is bandwidth, compute and storage. So we run on Google. If we start maxing out on Google's capacity, uh, you know, we have a good problem, right? So um, that we, we worked on that particular problem. And then obviously the, the rest of it is all UX, it's all design. You're going to see us launch a B2B product in, in the new year uh, that solves for large meetings and events uh, that basically goes after uh, this hybrid world that we're going to be living in, right, that Dave's talking about. So uh, Dave didn't have a chance to go to Contact Center World in uh, Vegas because he's back in Boulder. Uh, we envision a world where you know, maybe 10% of the attendees show up on site and the other 90% can participate virtually. Um, and interact virtually and in real time. And then Dave, to your earlier point, and maybe just go back and, and look at the recorded sessions, the ones that you really care about, right? Some of them you wanna see in real time, some you wanna interact with later on. So yeah, that, that's where we see ourselves going, Giles. But uh, Nate, I, I appreciate you joining, and especially this late in the hour um, in the UK. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm fueled by my, my nice glass of Macaldeo. Awesome. So hey Giles, good. I expect you to hang some uh, socks over your fireplace there, and I want one that says Dave. Thanks. Hey, it's been, thank you for letting me into the room. I'd, I'd love to hear your views on another one around the metaverse and what's what's going. On. That'll yeah. be a whole other another tech conversation. But maybe that's a future video yeah. filter cast. Yeah, absolutely. We're definitely going to have a different show, and, and as well as NFTs. All right, Josh. Thanks again for joining. Oh, it kicked off, Dave. <laughs> there we go. Dave, I uh, apologize. I kicked you off by mistake there. If you have a chance to join back in, there you are. Sorry about that, Nate. I, I kicked you off by mistake. Are you back? Are we done? <laughs> no, we're good. We're still, we're still streaming live. Sorry about that. I, uh, I hit the wrong button. Uh, so, Dave, uh, just uh, as we wrap up, first of all, thanks so much for joining. Um, we're coming up right on the hour. Final thoughts, anything uh, you want to leave us with? Well, I guess final thoughts are Happy New Year. Um, and may 2022 be less miserable than 2021. Yeah, that bar is pretty low. <laughs> but th thank you so much for joining me, Dave. Happy holidays. And uh, first and foremost, you know, please do stay healthy. I really appreciate you being the first Tech Talk guest. And I, I, I hope uh, that uh, we'll be able to share a glass of wine somewhere in the net, in, you know, in the near future, uh, at, as we get ready. Share for a the bottle of wine. I ain't sure no glass. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna. We have a lot of catching up to do, <laughs> for sure. All right, buddy. Well, happy holidays. Thanks everyone for joining us, and uh, we'll be making the stream available on the NoFilter.net website, and uh, we'll also be posting links on Spotify on Apple. Uh, thanks for joining Tech Talk and thank you for joining us on No Filter. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you.